We're in a series of messages on how can I. Last week, how can I know I'm going to heaven? And I hope we got that answered. And if you missed it, there are tapes available. Today, how can I stay right with God? Many have begun the Christian life well. I've seen them by the hundreds. They have made a profession of faith, but it isn't long until they're not visible. The glad tidings of great joy was really heard. They received Jesus with raptured souls and embraced the faith, but in many cases, not long after beginning the Christian life, that joy is dissolved and that experience of the presence of God seems to be no longer with them. We could call it an aborted mission, like some of the space programs that we've read about in the paper, including recently, when launch had to be delayed because of certain malfunctions. What happened? Foreign objects get into the machinery. I remember one occasion it was simply dust that made something malfunction and it had to be repaired causing the delay. I remember the tile on the spacecraft, which was a problem, and there was a delay. There are always reasons for the malfunctions, and we have to find those reasons. So as a minister, I have to find the reason for the malfunction in Christian living. And I think I have found it. It's very simple. It's one word, and the word is S-I. And the malfunction of sin. That new babe in Christ sins and feels forsaken by God when he sins. Now, I don't know who started the fairy tale, but the fairy tale is that when you come to Jesus, you're forgiven and you never sin again. That's a fairy tale. We all sin. We're just sinners here today, saved by grace. It doesn't really matter who you're sitting by in church today. All of us are sinners. If you look down the row and said, Ooh, I don't want to sit in this row. I know something about that person. Ha, ha, ha. They look down and said, Ooh, I don't know if I should sit in this row. I know something about you. Are you with me? We are all sinners. We all have our malfunctions. So we have to examine what we can do about it. Perhaps you feel like the psalmist today, who said in Psalm 51, verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. If you're watching me my television and you have lost that joy, it can be rediscovered. I want you to know that today. And I'll answer the question of how. Here is the verse from our reading today that I want you to hide in your heart. Colossians 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. There is the key to how to walk with God. As you have received him, so walk in him. Don't forget the progression of that verse. Colossians 2, verse 6. 
God's secret of walking in the Christian way, of getting right and staying right, is in that verse. Now I'm going to share three points with you today. Mark them on the back of your bulletin, which is arranged so that you can do that. In order to answer, how can I stay right with God, I must begin with this question, how do you become a Christian? I am not going to take for granted that all of you know. I am not going to take for granted that all of you watching me by television know how to become a Christian. I'm going to answer from the Word of God how you become a Christian in the first place. First of all, here is how you do not become a Christian. You do not become a Christian by joining a church. Now, walking into this building never made anybody any better. What happens inside of this building can make people better, but just the sheer fact of walking in here does not do anything for you. When I go into my garage, I do not become a car just because I'm in my garage. You do not become a Christian by joining a church or going to historic religious sites. You can go to the shrine of Guadalupe and not have any spiritual experience whatsoever. You can walk on your knees to the shrine in Mexico or in any nation in this world and bleed from those knees and not be any better. You do not become a Christian by being baptized by whatever form, immersion or sprinkling. That does not make you a Christian. Peter said in Acts 2, 38 and 39, we must repent and then be baptized. Baptism never made anybody any better just by the sheer fact of baptism. You do not become a Christian by living a good life, by being a moral person. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and was able to say to Jesus, I have kept all of these commandments from my youth up. Jesus said, one thing you lack, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then you will be my disciple. Jesus knew that that young man was so enamored with himself and so enamored with the world, he could never be a Christian until he was willing to sell everything and follow Jesus. You will never become a Christian by simply paying your tithes. It will not work. You cannot buy your way into the kingdom of God. Now, in the words of the gospel, here is where we must begin. John 1, verses 11 and 12. John 1, 11 and 12. Christ came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. There it is in one sentence, verse 12. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. It does not read to as many as paid their tithe, to as many as lived a good life, to as many as were baptized. It says to as many as received him, to them he gave the ability or the right or the power to become the sons of God. 
the whole sum and substance of the Christian life is the reception of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He is its essence, its object, its source, Jesus and the receiving of Jesus into one's life. How do we begin? Jesus began his ministry with these words. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That is in Mark 1, verse 15. This is how you become a Christian. From the lips of Jesus himself, repent ye and believe the gospel. Repentance is a determination of mind to turn from sin to the power of God. You can get salvation in no other way. You cannot become a Christian in any other form. It is through the repentance of one's sins. The church can't do it for you. I can't do it for you. A godly parent cannot do it for you. It must be done by the individual. The gospel is good news. It is to the sinner to repent and he will be received by God Almighty. Christ has come and God, for Christ's sake, forgives and grants to us eternal life. It is stated so beautifully in Acts 11 verse 18, when the early church at Jerusalem glorified God because he granted repentance unto the Gentiles. This is the spirit of the true church. It has been from the beginning, Acts 11. They rejoiced after they understood the plan of God. They saw it in its entirety. They rejoiced that God had granted repentance unto the Gentiles. They knew then that these Gentiles were included as Christians, Christ ones, followers of Jesus, and therefore a part of the kingdom of heaven. How wonderful it is. How do you become a communist? By believing the communist manifesto and following it. How do you become a humanist? By believing the humanist manifesto and following it. Therefore, how do you become a Christian? By believing in Jesus Christ and following him. By trusting the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way. Pat Boone is a name familiar to all of us. Pat wrote a book called A New Song some time ago. And it's an interesting story of his life and conversion and how God dealt with him. I quote from his book, all my life I had been fairly religious. And how many of us could say that? He could say it. He said, I never miss Sunday school in church. Still, like so many others today, much of my concept of Christianity was doctrine a set of rules to which I subscribed and which were supposed to supply the answers to the problems of life. It hadn't worked. I still had my problems. One day with Harold Bredesen, Pat Boone went into Coldwater Canyon in the holiday or Hollywood Hills, and there with Harold, Pat Boone met God in a new way. He said, I had the feeling he was all around me. With the sense of his presence came also a feeling of release, as though I were suddenly freed from the restraints and limitations of the world below me. Jesus has said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
Pat said many times I had quoted that scripture. Now I felt it from the very soles of my feet to the top of my head, I felt it. It is not a philosophy of life, he said. It's a relationship with the Lord plainly described in the Bible. I don't know how it could be said any better. It's not a philosophy of life. It's a relationship with the Lord. We use words such as regeneration, regenerated by the grace of God. We put new life on, and he puts a new spirit within. We use the word sanctification. We are set apart by the grace of God. We use the term glorification. Ultimately, we will be like Jesus himself, for we shall see him as he is. And when we enter into heaven, every last sign of sin will be left behind, ultimately glorified in the presence of God. It is all summed up in an experience we call conversion. The new birth, being born again, becoming a child of God. And it's available for every human being and to be received by every human being. That's how you become a Christian. Unmerited favor, totally unearned and undeserved. Puts us all on the same level. Praise God for that. Now, secondly, how do you continue as a Christian? This is the problem that I see so often as a pastor, people trying to keep up. Galatians, another letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament, was written to counteract one great heresy that had developed in those early days. It was the heresy that the Christian life begins by grace but then proceeds by human works. And that doctrine or philosophy is still around us today. It is everywhere. It begins by grace, but it continues by human works. Galatians says that salvation begins, continues, and is completed by grace alone. Let me say that again. It's the crux of the whole issue. Galatians informs us that salvation begins, continues, and is completed by grace and grace alone. We do not begin in the spirit and proceed in the flesh. Example, Galatians 3.3, Paul asks, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You see, the question is not, did Jesus Christ touch me when I came to him or not? He did. The question is not, did I truly become a Christian when I bowed my knee and asked Christ to come in? That is not the question when you are tempted and you are led away by sin. Some people, after they go down the road away, say, I really must not have been saved or I wouldn't be doing these things. That is not the question at all. The question is, are you so foolish that having begun in the spirit, you think you can now be made perfect in the flesh? That's the question. You cannot continue without grace. You cannot continue without the mercy of God imparted to you on a daily basis. Our life with Christ is entirely by His grace. God did not accept us because of any goodness in ourselves, nor does He keep us because of any such supposed goodness. God did not choose you because of the goodness He saw in you. 
Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us before the foundation of the world. He sent His Son to die for us and then sent His Holy Spirit to draw us unto Himself. And Ephesians 2.18 says, By Him and by Him alone we have access to the Father. That's not just at the beginning. That's as we proceed along the way at any stage in our Christian experience. You see, what some people think is that because they have failed, they have sinned since first coming to Christ, that somehow God is mad at them, He's angry at them, He's going to hit them over the head with a club, He will not let them into His heaven. There's no way because they've sinned after they have come to know Jesus Christ. Let's illustrate it this way. To those of you who have children, vision or envision with me, if you will, those children. They are not always good. They are not always clean. They're not always well-behaved. They're not always well-dressed. You do not love them because they are bathed. You bathe them because you love them. You do not love them just because they are well-behaved. You love them because they are yours. Now applying that in the spiritual realm, it is exactly the same. God, for Christ's sake, receives you, and He loves you, and He cares about you, and He doesn't turn His back on you no matter what you did last night. No matter what you did last week, God loves you, and it's mercy that keeps us going in this Christian way. Thanks be to God for that. If we talk about growing spiritually, it will be in accordance with our understanding and appropriation of the grace of God in our lives. When God received us the first time. His invitation was to come as we were. We sing the hymn, Just as I am, I come. In the Christian life, it's just the same. His invitation is to come just as we are. We feel rejected because we have turned to our own works. We turn to our own way, trusting in ourselves rather than in Christ. And there comes a sense of rejection. But remember our text in Colossians 2.6, as you have received Jesus Christ, so walk ye in Him. It's by mercy, it's by grace, and all of that alone. Not by what you have done, but by what He has done for you and his intercession on your behalf. Dr. Bill Bright of Campus Crusade calls this walk in Christ spiritual breathing. I like the term. We live our physical life by breathing. If you stop, you're in trouble. By exhaling the poisonous, poisonous fumes that accumulate in our bodies and by inhaling fresh, pure air, we live. Hard to find some of that fresh, pure air these days. But at least we know that that's the way we survive, by getting out of us by exhaling the poisonous fumes that accumulate and by receiving in pureness. The spiritual life is just like breathing. Exhaling is confession. We confess our sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Isn't that wonderful? Confession, inhaling is appropriating 
or taking a hold of the things that God has made possible through Christ. The grace of God coming into our lives day by day. As a Christian goes through his day, he confesses his sins, he claims anew the promises of God. He does not do like Adam who after he sinned went and hid under a tree. There, my friend, is the problem. There are people in this meeting today, people watching by television and listening by radio and tape, who are hiding from God, just like Adam did. Adam sinned. When God came in the cool of the day, he had to say, Adam, where art thou? Why did Adam hide? He somehow thought that now because he had broken the commandment of God, God was very angry with him and had no solution for him. Now that is the lie the devil will put on you every time. Remember, Jesus said he is a liar and a murderer and a thief. What he says to you is that God doesn't like you now. You better run. So the very thing we ought not to do, we do. We stop reading the word. We stop praying. Oh, I have had people say, I just can't touch the word because I'm sinful. I can't pray because I'm sinful. The very thing that we ought to do, we stop doing. I can't go to church because I've sinned. That's the very thing we ought to do. The devil comes along and says, ah, naughty, naughty, go hide, run away. And there is a fear that develops and a condemnation that develops. That's why I'm so excited about our Bible study Wednesday night. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What are we to do? Are you listening to me? Here is the answer. You go immediately to the gracious Father who invites us to come. We do not go another moment without exhaling, confessing that sin, and then we inhale the presence of God. It has not been depleted. It has not been moved away from us. It's still there, the presence of God if we will exhale, get rid of the impurities, and inhale the freshness of His love and the freshness of His grace. If we would do this, our lives could be lived above anything we have ever known, above any temptation, above any habit, but we will not get into that position so often. Instead, we go downhill. We're on a downward spiral, and we're going fast away from the presence of God. We've got to turn around and go back home and exhale and inhale, spiritually breathe, so that again we can feel the mercy and the grace of Almighty God. Don't run! Get to the Bible. Get to prayer. Get to the altar. Stay in church. Keep your head so that you'll keep your heart. How many times have you heard, now you've done it. Now you've ruined it all. Where does that come from? That comes from the pit. That comes from the devil himself. It comes right out of hell. Now you've done it. Now you've ruined it all. Listen. If that were true, this thing would have been done for long before now. It would have been done for with Adam. 
whom God prepared a covering for his nakedness out of the sacrifice of animals. We would have been done for at the times of the kings and the prophets. We would have been done for when Jesus hung on a cross and gave up the ghost and the disciples went behind locked doors. But I want you to know this thing is perpetuating. It's going on. It's still alive because it's not true. We have not done it. We have Jesus Christ and we have the Father of love and infinite mercy and we can be pardoned and forgiven. We must confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's the word of God and that's how to stay right with God. There is one more thing, a third thing that I want to talk about before we close. What nature will control your life? After knowing how to become a Christian and how to stay right with God, what nature will control your life? The Bible teaches that we have a new nature when we come to Christ. He that is in Christ is new. The thing to realize is that this new nature does not obliterate the old nature. Last Wednesday in Romans 7, we had a very interesting time discussing Paul's statement in that chapter, the things that I hate, I do. The things that I should do, I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, I do. Anybody know about that? Sure, we all do. You mean you, Paul, the great apostle? You're still faced with an old nature? Whoever told you that when you came to Christ and became a new creature, the old nature was not still existent? It's still there. The old man is still there. There is an old nature in every one of us. We have two natures to deal with all the time. The old nature can do nothing but sin. The new nature can do nothing but obey the Lord. The old nature rebels. The new nature responds. 1 John 5.18 says, Whosoever is born of God sinneth not. That's speaking of the new nature. 1 John 3.9, He that is born of God cannot commit sin. Why? Because it's the new nature he's talking about. But when you give allegiance to the old nature, you're going to sin. You have to decide what nature is going to run the, the course, which one is going to rule your life. You have to make that decision. The old nature has wrong motives. The new nature has the mind of Christ. The old nature wants to do that which pleases the flesh. The new nature wants to do that which honors and glorifies the Father. If you give a million dollars to the church and God is looking down and sees your pride, it's sin. That's the old nature. But if you give a million dollars to the church and it's the right motive and you don't care who gets the credit, it's because God told you to do it. That's the new nature, you see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. An irreconcilable warfare between the two natures ensues, good and bad. The spirit of Christ and the spirit of the world. Galatians 5.17 says, The flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. The big question is, to which nature are we going to yield ourselves? You're going to face it until you die. It never goes away. You're going to have to fight until it's all over. You'll have to be a Muhammad Ali. You'll have to keep fighting. Sometimes the older you get, the harder it gets. It's the two natures 
Romans 6.13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. How to stay right with God? Remember Colossians 2.6, As ye have therefore received Christ, how did you receive him? By mercy, by the grace of God, no merit of your own, totally dependent on him. You came, you humbled yourself. He received you. You were forgiven. So also walk in him the same way. The secret. Let the new nature work its way out in our lives. You've seen the diagram perhaps in the four spiritual laws booklet circles lives represented by the circles in the middle is a throne speaking of the heart on one there is ego christ is outside in the other christ is on the throne ego is outside that's it who do you yield to who is on the throne of your heart when that new nature is plugged in we will produce the fruits of galatians 5 22 and 23 some people have quizzed me about how do people who do not claim to have the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues claim to have the fruits of the Spirit, very simply. The fruits of the Spirit don't have anything to do with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The fruits in the Spirit have everything to do with your new nature. When you let the new nature yield, when you yield your members as instruments to righteousness, what happens? You manifest what Jesus manifested. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, meekness, gentleness, kindness. All of these things are a part of your life because you have the new nature at work in you. If you look back up in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, you will find the fruits of the old nature. Oh, what a list. Strife, jealousy, animosity, hatred, lust, covetousness, and greed. You decide. I decide whether it will be the new nature or the old. Now, here is my practical point. Pastor Cole's practical point for today. How do you put it into action? Are you ready for this? I have been a full-time pastor for 26 years. All of my experience goes into what I'm going to tell you now. All of my experience, all of my understanding, all of my knowledge of the Word of God, I am about to tell you on how to stay right with God. One practical point. You think you can handle it? Are you ready for it? Do you think you can accept it? It's really got to be something powerful, right? After 26 years, all of this knowledge and wisdom imparted a great revelation. Oh, my. Are you ready? Up there, are you ready up there? Oh, I'm not sure. You've really got to be ready. I'm not kidding. You've got to be ready for this. I've got to be sure you can handle it. Your whole future's at stake. Are you ready out there? Hey, stop the dishes. Are you ready? Thank you. Now, we're ready. We're ready, right? Here it is. Not a sound. Live one day at a time. Woo! There it is.
Have you got it? Live one day at a time. Commit every new day unto the Lord and ask the Spirit of God to bring forth His precious fruits in your life. Love, joy, and peace. That makes every day an adventure with God. Here's how to handle it as soon as you're aware of any sin in your life, any tone of voice, any look in your eye, any attitude of your heart that is not pleasing to God, then realize that is the old nature asserting itself, and you smack it in the head, you put it down, you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And Jesus says, Father, he's sorry. And the Father cannot say, I don't care. He has to say, I know it, and I forgive him. Send the message back. Glory to God. That's the way it works. God does not say, I'm mad at Evelyn. I'm unhappy with John. I've had it. I'm ticked off with old Mary. Never. But what we do is accumulate. We pile up. We move away from the Word. We move away from prayer. We think we'd better move away from the church. But we ought to be embracing these things in every day. When we hear that tone in our voice, when we feel that attitude of heart, when our eye lusts, oh, Jesus, forgive me. Wash me. I confess my sin. As you have received Christ Jesus our Lord, so walk ye in him. How did you receive him? Confessing, exhaling, and inhaling his glory and his life and his freedom. Ooh, it's not so bad, is it? Just think, if we had all the backsliders back, we'd have to have five services. A lot of them think God is down on them and they're far away when really it's just a matter of exhaling and then inhaling, having spiritual breathing. In, an, in a little book called The Second Touch, there is a story of an executive who is a Christian who had been leading a defeated life for a long time and decided one day that he was going to live this day for Christ and asked the Spirit of God to bring forth the fruits of the Spirit in his life. He got out of bed, began his day with word, the Word and prayer. He didn't have a long time. He didn't get up quite early enough, but he spent some time and found himself after that rushing out to catch the train downtown. As he entered the train station, which was crowded, he heard the last call for the train. With his briefcase in hand, like O.J. Simpson, he rushed across the train station. And in haste, he hit a little boy who had a big box in his hands containing a new jigsaw puzzle. When he hit that little fella, he spun around, and the box went in the air, and the puzzle went everywhere, all over the platform of the train. The man looked at the train, then down at the little boy, started to move towards his train, but then he remembered his prayer, and it stopped him dead in his tracks. Lord, let the Spirit of God bring forth the fruits of the Spirit in my life today. He knelt down on that platform alongside the little boy, picked up the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. It took several minutes. 
But as he knelt there helping that little fellow, there was such a realization of the presence of God in his life. He had never known this feeling before. With a new joy of the salvation Jesus Christ had brought in his heart, he placed the last piece of the puzzle in the box. As he stood up, the little boy looked up in his face and said, Mister, are you Jesus? That's the essence of my message today. It is just every day drinking in the goodness of God, the fruits of the Spirit of our Lord, and not being so foolish as to think He's turned His back on us, or He's mad at us. But it is to come just as we came at the beginning, trusting in mercy, trusting in grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And may I change that line for just a moment. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. On a daily basis, I am saved by the grace and the mercy of God. He loves me. I am forgiven. I will sin again. But I will come to Jesus and say, forgive me, forgive me. I will keep fellowship with the church, and I will keep fellowship with his word, and I will keep practicing prayer, because there are spiritual exercises we must go through to keep fit, just as there are physical exercises we go through to keep physically fit. Don't run and hide under the tree like Adam. As you have received Christ Jesus, your Lord, so walk ye in him. There is no reason to go any further in your stubbornness or your old nature. Come today and receive Christ's forgiveness and walk in newness of life as a child of God and let people look up in your face and say, Are you by any chance Jesus? Let us stand all over the building, please. Our Father, there is a sacredness about this place today and the rich presence of God we feel here. And Lord, in heart after heart, you are now speaking and dealing with people who have covered things over People who have thought that there was really no hope for them. They've gone too far. They've violated too many things. But today you're drawing the back, just like that prodigal who turned around, came home, and there was Dad with his arms outstretched. Hallelujah. They people all over this building and those watching us by television and listening by radio or by tape bow now before the presence of God through Jesus Christ and receive the forgiveness of 1 John 1, 9, and walk with God every day. Thank you for your cleansing power. Now, friends, as we sing this old hymn, Just As I Am, I want my associates to line up here at the front. 
I want those of you who have been covering things over and you know that you need to come back all the way. I want you to come down, take one of the ministers by the hand, and by that say, today is a new day. My old nature, I'm not going to pamper anymore. I'm going to cling to the new nature. I'm going to trust Jesus Christ for total forgiveness and total regeneration and a new beginning today. It's yours for the asking. Some of you have been lied to by the devil. Some of you have been led around by the nose. Stop it today. He's a liar. You can walk just as you began. Same thing, mercy, grace. So walk in him. I want you to come from the balcony, down these stairways, down these aisles. Take a minister by the hand and say, I'm going to come all the way. I know I have his forgiveness. I know I have his grace. Would you do it? You know who you are. Let's get it out in the open. Put behind. Start anew today.